Welcome to The Last Supper, your weekly podcast about art in Asia. I'm your host, Oscar Venhuis. Every weekend I sit down and release an episode bringing new perspectives and engaging dialogues with emerging and established artists, galleries, curators and collectors in Asia. Learn more about art in Asia with Christie's Education in-person and virtual art courses, gallery visits and webinars. Visit Christie's Education website and enter all in capital letters Last Supper 15 to enjoy a 15% discount. The website link and discount code for Christie's Education can also be found in the description of this podcast. In today's episode, I talked with artist Tin Lei New. From Yangon in Myanmar, she talks with me about her past and current work, how memories inform art, why she sleeps during the day, the significance and meaning of animals and plants in her work, how COVID motivated her art practice, and the expectations of artists in Myanmar. Hello, New. How are you today? Uh, I'm good, and I'm really happy to be here. I know you're calling from Myanmar and I can hear in the background the gentle humming of the city traffic in Yangon as well. Are you calling from your studio? Uh, no, this is my friend's studio. They, they ran a design studio and then sadly because of the, because of the electricity access I told you about and my home doesn't have electricity right now so I have to like run here to do the podcast. Yes, that's why we are recording this evening because you mentioned that there are regular power cuts. So I'm really pleased that we are able to connect and record this episode. Are power disruptions a very frequent occurrence in Yangon? Yeah, it's been like this since the coup. It's been like two years. We have like on and off electricity. And these days it is getting a bit worse. So some areas, it is different according to the area you live in. Some area are fine. Some areas doesn't have electricity for the whole day. That kind of thing. So yeah, I got in touch with you through a mutual friend, Mount Day, who was on this podcast a few weeks ago as well. So a big shout out to Mount Day. What I understand from Yangon art scene is that it is a very intimate circle of people. It is. It is. It is. I personally find it very small too because there are a lot of people, but. Only a few people are like communicating with each other and then like, yeah, so I could call it a very small community here. We have very few artists here. <laughs> yeah. Let's begin with an introduction about yourself. What can you say about who New is? I am a painter and currently I base in Yangon, uh, which is in Myanmar, right? And uh, I have been drawing and painting since I was a kid because I have like two elder sisters and we have a really big age cap. So they are like 16, 17 years older than me. So when I was in kindergarten, they are like in college already. And my sister is studying architecture at that time. So she is always like drawing and like sketching. And I think that inspires me somehow. And uh, the other thing is I one day she draw like these small pictures of snails and worms at the back of my book and then the next day when I get to school I show it to my classmates and I feel like it's really cool and then the others are like very envy and all and then I started selling them yeah so <laughs> since then I'm like oh I if I could draw I think I could make a lot of money but I was wrong since then 
yeah, I think that's how it started. But then, as I grew up, uh, I continued practicing drawing and painting at school and after school. And uh, when I graduated my high school, I wanted to go to the National Arts and Culture in Myanmar. But then here, right, the art education system is very different. It's very traditional, and it takes you a really long time to like finish study and all. So I decided to go and study in Lasalle in Singapore. So I studied there for three years, uh, specializing in painting, in fine arts. And after that, I came back to Myanmar, and now I'm here. <laughs> Tell me more about how you ended up in Singapore. Yeah, I might say it's an easier option because it's very close to my country and it wasn't my first choice though. My first choice was the art school in Yogyakarta in Indonesia. So before I go and study, I was a part of an organization in Myanmar that they do art and they are supporting young artists. So I was like 17, 18 that time. So I have been doing activities with them in art industry and art scene. So I get to go to Indonesia when I was like 18 or 19, I think. I was young and I was inexperienced, that kind of thing. Yeah, I really enjoyed the trip and I really love the culture. And I fall in love with their walks, the environment and everything. So Yogyakarta was my first choice, but then there's this language barrier I cannot speak Indonesian and so it wasn't working. So after that, I decided to go and study in Lasalle instead. Yeah. What more can you tell me about your experience in Singapore as an artist? Uh, but Singapore is like compared to other countries, like Singapore and Thailand has been like very familiar with young people, especially young people who are like trying to go study abroad and all. Because we have like these how do they call it? Educational agents. They do the paperwork and they give you information about the school. So that there's like a lot of Singapore universities are popular among young students in Yango, that kind of thing. And Lasalle, yeah, Lasalle was a bit of expensive school, but I, I got scholarship and I went into the first and second year with scholarships. So yeah. But then, you know what? I my school in the last semester and I kind of find it like it's very um, I don't know how to say it. I wanted to the first thing is I wanted to come back to Burma and base in Yangon I wanted to be with my family and all so I didn't want to stay continue staying in Singapore for another three years because you know like after graduating with fine arts right it's really hard to find a job a nine-to-five job it's like it's either you go into education or like you do gallery sitting and those kind of areas for a freshly graduated person. So at that time, I was working as an art teacher in local children art school, and it pays really good. That's a lot of money, and and my seniors at work are my seniors from school. They graduated with fashion, they graduated with interior design, but they are teaching art, and they end up teaching art, so I was really scared of that. And I was like, I didn't want to go into art education, so, yeah. I have 
have a small favor to ask that will make a big impact. The Last Supper is offered to you at zero cost. And if you like this show about art in Asia, give this podcast a star rating or subscribe to this podcast channel. Many thanks and let's continue. What people can't see, because of course this is a podcast, but you have some really fantastic tattoos on your forearms. Oh, thank you. Do you mind describing your tattoos that you have on your arms? So this hand, I have like flowers on my left hand. I have like flowers, a lot of flowers. I tattoo them myself. On the right hand, I have like some random pieces from my paintings. Like this, this is my dog's favorite toy. I tattoo for my mom. We we live in different places in the past. Like uh, we move a lot, you know, uh, around Myanmar. And then every time we move to a new place, my mom will be like planting flowers and like plants and a lot of things. And then when we move from that place, we have to abandon all those plants. So every time we we have to move away, she looks sad and everything. And like. 13 or 14 years ago, we get to settle down in her hometown. That time she was like so happy and then like she started planting all the flowers again. So I told my mom that I'll give you as a present that I will tattoo your favorite flowers that you have in your garden on my body. And then like I started tattooing, but she, she didn't stop planting. So I have like a lot. <laughs> yeah. Now let's talk about your work. You sent me a beautiful overview and instead of me explaining what your work looks like, I think it is better that you do this. How would you describe your work? I would describe it as memories. Memories, uh, I think I'm obsessed with them. In a way, I feel that every living thing and every object, right, they have like this physical existence and the idea of them, right? When we lose something, or when somebody passed away, their existence is gone. But all we have is the memories. And uh, if you are lucky, in here what I mean by lucky is if you have like good memory, you have like a lot of them. But for me, right, I'm really bad at that, <laughs> remembering things. So I have to like hold on to them, you know? And paintings and drawings, are a way of like uh, recording them and recreating them for me. And uh, for example, I did a solo show in 2018 in Yangon. That show was about the stories my mom told when I was a kid. She somehow like used the existing stories, but then she kind of make it into her own version, you know, because she grew up in a farmer family and she do a lot of plantations and everything so she based her stories in those strawberry farms and like potato farms those are like really small humans living in the strawberry farms and then like the bees are like really big that kind of thing <laughs> it's very fascinating in that exhibition i wanted to see those stories in a visual walk so that's what i did and the other ones are Especially, I think these, after the pandemic, we lost a lot of those people and loved ones too. And it was like, they are like, one minute they are there and then another they are gone. So it shocked me as well. And uh, since then, I'm like, okay, I need to do this. I think I need to focus more on what 
these objects, these people's meant to me as, and these places meant to me. So. You said earlier that your memory isn't great. Why do you believe this or do you know why this is? Uh, I think my, my sleeping patterns, I walk at night. I sleep from like nine to four during the day. And then I started walking from four to like next day, 8 a.m. And uh, I live in a quite crowded area. So the noises are like a lot to take in. Yeah, so it's better to sleep during the day. So you have shifted your entire work day. You sleep during the day and work during the night. Yes, yes. Now it's like my morning, <laughs> even though it's 7 p.m. here. And that is for a practical reason, because of the power cuts, or do you feel you are more productive when it's dark? Oh, yeah, I think 9 to 4 is like the most active hours. Like people started walking, and then like they started talking, and they move around, and then like it is very noisy and all, so... Yeah, I, I couldn't take it and it's a lot to do for me, answering the phones and all, so yeah. I can entirely understand that the constant noise or noise pollution can become quite overwhelming. I have the same here in Hong Kong and that is also one of the reasons why I moved away from Hong Kong Island to Lama Island. Okay, so the noise at your own place is too much and that's also the reason why you work during the evening. Yes, very, very... A few years ago, I had a studio with my friend. My friend is a musician, so we shared a studio space. I was painting in the upper story and he would be like recording things in downstairs. But we kind of like soundproofed the whole house because we cannot deal with the noises. Yangon is a very noisy place, you know, everywhere. It's really hard to sit down quietly for a moment. Very noisy. If noise is such a big factor and impact on your work, have you considered moving out of the city to a more remote area? Yeah, actually I am from a small town in Myanmar, in the upper part of Myanmar. My hometown is like quite peaceful, I would say, and my mom is living there. So, And uh, the problem in Myanmar is that uh, you cannot easily access to what you need to practice as an artist any, in any other town except Yangon, you know. We don't have like those art material shops or like libraries or like galleries. We don't have it back in my hometown or any other small towns around Myanmar. So it's really hard for me to move out of Yangon, you know. The way I would describe your work is that it is surrealistic figurative because of the context of objects and combinations you make within your work. At the same time, you apply different techniques. Your work is colourful and at times black and white as well. And these different styles appear to refer to specific periods or moments in your life. Yeah, I enjoy painting a lot, you know, and drawing as well. I really like doing traditional way. So while I am like practicing that, I try to explore different mediums, as many mediums as I can. And uh, in watercolor, oil paintings, acrylic drawing. So I think those are the periods that like, I've been focusing on one medium instead of a lot of the things. About the colors, is I get bored easily. So if we are like doing colors 
for like a period of time and then I get bored and then I have to step back and then like do other stuff. And I struggle a lot with color, so even though my paintings are like colorful and all, I'm still struggling. One recurrent theme that I have observed is the appearance of animals. What role do they play in your work? I grew up raising stray dogs, a lot of stray dogs. Since I was a kid, I like to like adopt or like pick up any... In, in Yango, we have like stray dogs problem, you know, and, and cats as well. So there are like a lot of them on the streets and you can see them anywhere, literally anywhere. And especially in the breeding seasons, there are like a lot of them. We don't have like stray animal controls here. What they do is like one, there are like a lot of stray dogs on the street. They started poisoning them. That's the solution. So they poison like every year. And so since I was a kid, I would be like picking up a dog and then I like come back home. And uh, when I was like around nine or 10 years old, I had like 16 dogs. There are like a lot of them, yeah. Since then, I continue adopting the dogs and I have three right now at home. And it's fun. I think they, it's because of them I really enjoy. After adopting the three dogs, I took in other animals too even hamsters and uh, all those things. You use therianthropes or half humans and half animals, but you also use plants. You mentioned about the role of plants when you were younger. What else can you say about this? True. When I first come back to Myanmar from Singapore after my studies, I lived alone and I lived in a quite crowded area. So every morning I would be like seeing my neighbours and like people walking on the street and I lived there for like two years so I get bored of seeing same people and so from my window I started making the hats for them and then as they walk by I would just be like <laughs> using the <laughs> drawing on their head and then like look at them it's fun it's a kind of like playing things around but it kind of like stuck in me and then I wanted to make them into a painting and I started painting those combinations. Can you speak more about the inspiration sources and subjects that you work with? Um, I usually base on the memories I want to keep to myself. And currently I'm working on another solo exhibition coming next month. So I'm preparing for that. And um, it's about our childhood memories how it is very enjoyable and uh, we I kind of like couldn't let go of the thought of it so I'm working on paper dolls right now the paper dolls that we usually play dressing up when we were kids so instead of paper dolls clothes and other accessories I am doing different heads and different hands that I can uh, mix and match and it's also about like those existing memories because my works are like very personal you know it's really hard to explain it to other people i think artists are the first one to see the work when it's finished and i think it is quite important that we like our own work and i think it is important that we do it for ourselves too so painting is something that i do completely for myself it might sound very selfish though, but yeah, it is true. <laughs> I grew up in uh, the art industry in a third world country. So you are most of the time expected to 
do or produce some artworks relating to these political conflicts. That's the response that I constantly got every time I meet people from the foreign countries. I find it quite boring and uh, the art scene here has become like very boring too after the coup. So everybody is like responding to this. It is a must to do so, to uh, respond to these oppressions and everything. But I think I want my art to be more free than responding to these outside effects and oppressions, yeah. The works that you shared with me are divided in four distinct periods called The Moving Years, The Happy Ones, The Forgotten Ones and Good for a Time. I'm not sure if this is the right order of, of when you make these pieces, but let's begin with the work that is part of the happy ones. What can you say about this body of work? Uh, the happy ones is about the people from LGBTQ community. And uh, we, we have like very small community here. And the, like, they are very active and all. So during that time, I was working with them. And uh, there's a, a festival called Amproud. They are holding an exhibition for visual works like uh, photography, painting, you know. So, because it's a very small community in a very conservative, very traditional community, they struggle a lot. So, among the festivals and public exhibitions, we see a lot of depressing things. I go around and talk to people, and I happen to have some couples in my circle. I asked them the happy stories, what they were happy about being gay couple. So they are like very open about it, luckily. And uh, it is different. Those paintings are based on five couples that I interviewed. So they are about the happy moments in their life when they adopted a kid, when they came out to their families those kind of different things. So it's a series of happy ones. And the forgotten ones is about the stray dogs in the city for those are uh, poisoned and uh, killed. So it, it's a paper mache sculpture with a steel frame. I wanted to use some traditional techniques to make the sculpture. So I chose paper mache. And uh, it is quite big, so it's a bit challenging. Normally the paper mache is very commonly used, played among the children in Burma. It's like they do a lot of animal figures and you can buy it like anywhere. So I wanted to make it a big sculpture with my characters, yeah. You described the happy ones and the forgotten ones. What about the other themes? Oh yeah, the other one is good for a time. Good for a time is the exhibition I did earlier this year. It was a collaboration between me and my friend. He is a musician, so he composed a composition for my mural. Actually, it's the mural. It's only one walk there. I was walking at this gallery called Monologue Art Gallery, 
in Yangon. So I use the whole apartment's place to do the mural. So it's only one walk, but the but it is quite big. And I used gouache as a medium because I find it like it's really hard for me to sometimes let go of the paintings, even artworks, like even if I I'm selling them. <laughs> I feel sad. <laughs> like, oh, my painting is gone, that kind of thing. So I think I need to work on that. And I wanted to erase it after I created it. I painted it. So I, it took me really long to paint that wall. It was like 50 feet long. So after that, and I made it easier. I chose squash to make it easier to erase afterwards. Go for the time is about those memories again, how they were fun and they were good at certain moment, at specific time in our life. Would you consider yourself as a nostalgic, sentimental or wistful, or maybe a better word is a reflective person who likes to contemplate? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think it's, it's for example, I am very close to my dad. So my dad passed away two years ago and he is one of the reasons why I came back to Burma because I want to live a bit closer to him so if there's anything I can go back to him that kind of thing but then he is diagnosed with diabetes a serious one a few years back like five years ago and since then it was like quite serious and he got all these pancreas failure and all so I was preparing myself for that and after three years, he passed away. So it's like what I said in the beginning, like his existence is gone, but the idea of him is still with us. And I think that's my chance that I can recreate what I want him into, the way I want to remember him, adding on what he was to us. It has been quite fun. <laughs> I'm curious about the relationship between the tempo or speed and the change of development, especially here in Asia, including Myanmar, where you are based, and the need to slow down, which can manifest itself in trying to focus on certain memories of the past in order to extend or stretch time, and doing this to somehow slow down the pace of change. Yeah, true. I think so too. I think it's changing too fast and the other scary thing is that we are always forgetting that we are dying one day. <laughs> it's a very common thing but we all forget every day. And I, since I was quite young, because I grew up in a Buddhist family, right? So my mom is quite religious. So she will be like always sharing these thoughts about Buddha's teaching and all. And so I am quite aware of the fact that like we are dying soon, we are dying soon. And uh, since then, I find it like, okay, we have like normal lifespan. Well, this might sound childish, but yeah, bear with me. We have like normal average lifespan about 68 years here. So I'm 32 right now and it's like halfway. If I'm living fully, it's halfway and I smoke really a lot. And uh, yeah, so there are like a few years minus and here and there. So. I'm really scared that like I might not be able to do what I want to do, especially I might not be able to see the paintings I want to see. That scares me most. So, and when COVID hits, it was like, I'm like confirming, okay, I'm doing this. 
I need to focus more on the kind of works I want to see. That was the motivation. Instead of like, and yes, plus things are changing really fast. So I think I'm just trying to make it fast, like creating man, as many paintings as I can that I want to see. So yeah. The sense of immediacy or urgency, has that always been present or have there been external factors that have influenced this? Uh, no, it has been in me since I was quite young. I think it is very important to fulfill your wish first, then do the others. Because, yeah, as I said, I always have this thought. I think it's my mom's fault, you know. <laughs> she kind of like planned it in me. So I'm like, yeah, okay, I, I might die. I might die tomorrow. And then I continue. <laughs> oh, okay, I need to see this sketch. I need to see this painting. So it has been always in me. But it's just that COVID somehow boosts me. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, you mentioned that your mom is a practicing Buddhist. Does that mean that you were raised with the notion or existence of afterlife? She does. She does. She does. This is a funny thing. <laughs> because my mom always says, like, oh, in afterlife, you have to do good things. You have to behave well to be a good thing in afterlife, right? So that pressure me more because I'm quite confident that I won't be human again. And like, okay, it might be this might be my only life and I have like 30 more years if I'm lucky, so I need to paint. And <laughs> yeah. um, what are your thoughts on the afterlife? Do you believe that after our bodily existence ceases to exist, that is the end? Yeah, I kind of, I kind of. My dad wasn't that religious, you know. He was like, I don't think that makes sense, that kind of thing he always says. Yeah, so he is like in between. And so I'm like a, a bit confused too. But there are like good things that I can take from my mom's side. Like those kind of realizing death is around the corner. And uh, the other thing is like kind of you only lose what you cling to, that kind of thing. But that's the opposite of what I'm doing right now. I'm clinging on to everything. Yeah, so my mom might not be happy. <laughs> Do you find it difficult to disassociate or distance yourself from the things you really care about? True, true, true. Very true. In a way, it is fun though, because I really enjoy looking at paintings especially. Paintings have this kind of power that they can take you away from your existence, you know. Like from the moment, you, the reality you live in, they can take you away from that. Uh, so I really enjoy looking at them. I think that's only the reason why I am painting right now. And I've tried other art forms like performing arts, performance art, and then videos and other works. But painting is traditional, especially traditional painting is the one that, I find really satisfying so, and fascinating as well. So. You work with musicians besides incorporating and collaborating with musicians. Have you considered becoming a musician yourself? Because it seems that you have a very creative family. So I wonder beyond the painting whether you have explored other domains. 
no, I'm not. Because I've tried before. When when I was a kid, I, I played classical guitar because my one of my sisters, she is a serious player, a classical player, so guitar player. So she kind of like tried to persuade me. Hey, don't do painting, come play the guitar. And then I made her happy for a few months. But then I'm like, no, I cannot. <laughs> Classical painting, oh, classical music is like not my cup of tea, so, yeah. This may sound a bit like an odd question, but what is life like as an artist in Yangon? Because I wonder how your decision to be an artist has been supported by the people around you. My family has been very supportive, though. Uh, my family has been supportive since I was a kid. They would be like sending me to art classes and when I started playing guitar also, my mom is like very supportive. She even encouraged me to like do some traditional instruments, Burmese traditional instruments, but I couldn't, I couldn't find time. I was like very busy at school and yeah. So they were very supportive. I haven't noticed what other people said apart from my family though. Like, yeah. And what else do you want people to know about you or your work? Um, because, you know, like, in Myanmar, we have coup happened a few years ago. And then, and then everyone is, especially from the art industry, as an artist, uh, people are focusing on that. Uh, it is a good thing, you know. But because I don't create such works, something that is relating to revolutions and everything I got criticized a lot <laughs> yeah and uh, because I'm still focusing on my own personal life and personal point of views uh, I got criticized a lot but as I mentioned before I grew up here and I've been in this industry since I was 17 I think we have a lot of other things that will be more effective as a revolution than art I think uh, art should be like something that more free and more honest with ourselves. So that's a, that's a very important thing, I think. Otherwise, the art scene has been really boring. Really, really boring. I stopped using Facebook for a while now because every time... Facebook is a... Especially social media is a, is a place where... People talk a lot without thinking about the consequences and everything. And that, that, that is the, with the coup and then like lockdowns and everything. So this is the only area that you still communicate to. You can still communicate with each other. So I can see what everyone is doing during that time. And it's almost like a journal. It's like news. Even though you are seeing the paintings, artworks. Uh, they all talk about one thing, one single thing, and it becomes very boring uh, as an audience. As an audience, I, I, that's my personal view. So it becomes very boring, and um, I don't want to be a part of it. I think it's safe to say that like there are more suitable people in the industry than me to represent the political situations in Burma right now. 
Are you saying that there is an expectation of people and a constant pressure that your work needs to be somehow politically focused, whereas you want to highlight on other important societal issues that are relevant as well? Yes, I do. I do. It's a constant pressure. Once you are based in Myanmar and then if you are Burmese artist and then that's the very first question you get. How are the situations in your country? They somehow expect your work to be that too. I think some artists in uh, Myanmar art scene, they feel the pressure too. And not all, but some of them, most of them give in. From my point of view, I think they are feeding the audience what they want. And the exhibitions and everything, it becomes very boring. (laughs) When you say it is boring, are you saying it is boring because so many artists are addressing this and therefore it can become repetitive or it is repetitive and reduces the richness and the diversity of art because art market demands it? Oh, true, true, true. Um, I don't know how to express this. It's, it's the majority, I think. Almost every artist right now, yeah. New, I'm going to ask you the final question of this podcast. If you were to have your final or last meal, who would you invite and what would you talk about at your last supper? I think I would invite my dad, if it can be anyone. Yeah, and then I will cook for him his favorite dish. And then I would be like asking him, how did you enjoy that? <laughs> how did you enjoy life? <laughs> yeah. So he was a very carefree person, you know, like he didn't care much. He lived his life like very peaceful, fishing and then like drinking and then watching movies, walking. It was very peaceful. And when he passed away, this is the very prominent feeling that I had. I wasn't sad at all because uh, he lived his life fully, you know. That fact kind of gave the people who are left behind peace. We are very peaceful with that thought, especially me. If it was my mom, I would be like feeling a bit sad. Oh my gosh, she couldn't live her life like fully for herself and that kind of thing. So I think it's very important and I I would ask my dad like if I'm doing things right (laughs) during the dinner. (laughs) But he might point out like, "Uh, you better stop getting more tattoos it is getting messy (laughs) he will say that (laughs) it's been a real pleasure to talk with you today and many thanks for making the time to speak with me in the evening i really hope we'll be able to meet when i'm in yangon and all the best with your work that's all right i really enjoy talking with you though Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Last Supper with artist Tinley New in Myanmar. If you like this show about art in Asia, you can support us by giving this episode a star rating and subscribing to this podcast. 
if you have any questions, suggestions, or wish to participate in this podcast, you can contact me on oscar at thelastsupper.asia. You can visit my website www.thelastsupper.asia as well, or contact me direct on Instagram at thelastsupper.asia.